Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Brady takes a shot to step. He looks right for Krasowski. He throws it for Grimes. And left for Edelman. Catch me. Touchdown. Let's go. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Tom Brady's retiring. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. The Rich Eisen Show. I love that I've been able to do it for as long as I've had. I love the game, and I love being out there with my teammates. Touchdown, Tampa Bay! What a great throw by Brady! Earlier on the show, ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham. Coming up, New York Giants head coach Brian Dable. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. And yeah, it's all been Tom Brady today. And why not? 22 years of the greatest football career ever. Maybe the best career in American professional sports. That's an argument you could put up there. Um, Certainly in the team sports world. Um, In the books. He made it official today on his Instagram and his Twitter account. And that is all she wrote. Uh, We've been discussing it. Seth Wickersham, who wrote the book, It's Better to Be Feared About the Patriots Dynasty came on and um, and gave his two cents on Brady's retirement and the manner in which it did go down. Um, YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for everything that you missed. We're uh, efforting a couple of other guests that uh, might uh, give from some perspective on this, unique perspective over the next two hours. Don't go anywhere right here on Peacock, this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate, NBC Sports Audio, Sirius XM, Channel 85, Odyssey. And then, of course, as I mentioned, our YouTube stream, YouTube.com slash uh, Rich Eisen Show. Brian Dable, the new head coach of the New York Giants, is going to join us one hour from now. Uh, my first question to him is, uh, hey, coach, how are you going to turn uh, Daniel Jones into Josh Allen? Go. <laughs> Go. <laughs> his first appearance and his last appearance. Go. <laughs> Go. All right. You've got Daniel Jones. You had Josh Allen. How do you make one into the other? Go. <laughs> that's, by the way, that's our guest at this hour tomorrow Stephen A. Smith will be on this show at this very moment in studio tomorrow as he's here in LA I also week. want to know because Brian Dayball drove his truck from Buffalo to, to New Jersey yeah. like what did he listen to? Like, what station? The Rich Eisen Show. Studios. XM Sky. Channel 85, maybe? What question is that, Brock? Well, of course. <laughs> Audio book. Well, we're only on for three hours, that's so there's a, still five other hours. That's true. You All right, I mean? let's ask him. He went to the archives and listened to old shows. He drove his truck down. Love it. Do we know what kind of truck it was? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's, uh, there it's a big blue truck, yeah, right? big blue four-door. Yeah, big okay. blue. I don't know if it's Ford, Chevy, one of those. Yeah, so. Now, we talking pickup truck? We talking like Escalade, Navigator? Out of bed. Okay. Yeah. And has there ever been a new coach of the Raiders organization ever introduced without wearing a black suit and a silver tie? I think that's that, is that, did yeah, they have a, mandatory. Like, did they have an issued? Do they have like, you know, hey, you, you know, go see, go see the, go see, oh, there's a truck. There okay. it is. There Ooh, it is. That's a nice that looks truck. comfortable, though. Look at that thing. Oh, big four. Pulling up. That is nice. Oh, it's reserved. He's already got his own parking oh, yeah. spot. Oh, he's riding high, too. Yeah, Man, look, 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 put your seat Ride, down a little bit. Big riding guy. high in oh, January. Yeah. Riding high he in January. He suited and booted, as nice. they say. That is nice. All right. There we go. So for McDaniels, Rich, you mean like like a wardrobe fitting? Well, I mean, it's just like everything, all black everything, black ties? everything goes back for me to pop culture in the movies. Mm-hmm. My number one favorite movie time. Sting. Is sting. the sting? Yeah. Now I don't know how many times you've seen the sting. Uh, a handful. But when they, w- when when they get everybody together and they decide that they're going to go for Doyle Lonigan, the Mark, right? Okay, played by the great Robert Shaw. They sit down and they try and get a crew together, right? And the terrific actor Robert Gould sits down and he 
he interviews everybody to see what they can do, how they can perform, and whether they are, are free to join this team or not. It's his choice to hire them. And as soon as he hires them, he tells them, go pick out a nice suit. So I'm wondering if this is the sting, <laughs> football version of the sting, and they tell the new coach, go pick yourself out a suit. What are you, 52? In Italian, what are you? Are you long? Are you short? What are you? Because every single time they've interviewed a new coach, man, I think even Mayock when he was a GM, oh, he, had he showed up in oh, the yeah. door. I think he had his pinstripe baby. and yep. I mean, nobody can show up wearing a blue suit. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Now, you hit this here, certainly on a day where I am celebrating the career of the greatest Michigan Wolverine player sent to the next level, and I'll say that even with my buddy Charles Woodson maybe joining us. Certainly on the offensive side of the ball, right? But uh, Brady is the greatest, right? He's reset the standard. Yep. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll hit this. The news broke yesterday that the Zoom that my current Michigan football head coach, Jim Harbaugh, had with the Vikings uh, over the weekend to tire kick one another is now leading to an in-person interview on Wednesday which happens to be National Signing Day in college football. Now, everything that I have followed and seen and read and followed up on, you know, the National Signing Day now, remember you used to have this huge to-do and there'd be... The hats on the table. Well, no, not just hats on the table, but I remember one year Harbaugh had like this whole big to-do at the Michigan Theater and having the whole thing. and Wasn't Brady there for one of those? Rolling it out. Yeah. yeah, and all these, but now I think with the early signing period and the transfer portal, this isn't all that important or, you, or as important as it used to be. And I'm not downplaying it, but it's still a weird look. You're head coach of a team that went to the college football playoffs and you're looking for maybe another job or you're interested in another job. How do you even put that toothpaste back in the tube? Is what I'm sitting here wondering about. Like, would even a, a, a multi-year deal cover that? Like, if I'm a, I'll always shoot you straight. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a parent of a top recruit, and I'm like, wait a minute, didn't you just interview with the Vikings, or didn't you interview like a year ago? Now you're done. Like you've decided that's over. I don't know how that you come back from this one, and still coach a major. Big time college program. I mean, if and this is not done out of spite at all. I I love this man. I love him. He was my first quarterback there at school. I, I've I've this past year is one of the most incredible years I've ever enjoyed as a Michigan Wolverine. And if this is what he wants to do with his life, great. But I think he's got to go do it now. Don't you think everyone would have a field day with, with him coming through? Yeah. Like you now said, it, it's it, tough to put this back in the bottle. It looks now, like a good fit. Yeah. You know, the new general manager there knows Jim from back in the San Francisco yeah. days, and everybody that I talked to says they got along really well in Northern California. If Jim takes this job, that's bye-bye Kirk Cousins, right? I don't know about that. That's it. I mean, that's a big, huge, fat cap hit to swat like you have to cut him who's going to trade for him for that amount of money i mean i don't know there's a spot open in tampa well i mean we're going to go so deep into that you know i'm going to start hitting that a little bit tomorrow because i think we're still fresh on yeah 
on the on, on today as opposed to we did hit the quarterback carousel a little bit yesterday. But honestly, I I I uh, I heard all that that he's gonna he's gonna physically go on National Signing Day, which again, like I said, it's not as big as it used to be. It's still big enough, and the optics are just beyond odd. And I, I, this entire time, I'm like, boy, I wish he stayed. I hope he stays. And I, I, you know, and if it's entirely possible that he stays, and that you can give him such a long term contract that the recruiting world will not be beaten up. You know, he was out recruiting. I just saw photographs the other day. He was doing like deadlifts in a local high school. <laughs> Jim only knows you one know, speed, uh, man. Honestly, yeah. and so he's been doing it. Just, I, I don't know how both things can be, you know, double tracked. And then you can double back on one of the tracks. It gets, it's getting tougher with each time. So that's my two cents on all of that. Oh, my goodness gracious. Passionate Raider in Illinois. Let's take your call right here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up? You there, Passionate Raider? Not passionate enough. (laughs) Not passionate enough. Put him back on hold right there. I am hope I'm getting this right. Sravan in Washington, D.C. Did I get your name right? It's uh, Shravan. Rich, Shravan, how you doing, guys? How are you? Hey, hey. Doing good. Hey, Chris Brockman. How's it going, my friend? Hey, my man. What's up? So I just wanted to say I'm really grateful for, you know, to- what Tom Brady did for me as a, you know, he was like my childhood, and I just wanted to say thank you to him, you know, publicly for what he did. And, you know, Rich, correct me if I'm wrong, during Hall of Fame speeches, players get to do thank yous to all their, like, friends and family, correct? Yeah, he'll he'll hit the Patriots then, I'm sure. There'll be no doubt. Yeah, so when I was saying, I wanted to... There's a couple of thank yous that he's probably going to leave off his list that I would like to read right now, if that would be okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. You know, uh, what do we do? Do we play music if you're going on too long, just like the Oscars? No, or I'm going to make this very quick. There's only a couple no, no, of I, 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 I could do a Larry David. I could do da-da-da-da. Da, da, right? I could do a Larry David. But go for it. No, I'll, I'll do it. Okay. So I first want to thank, the first, first and foremost, the New England Patriots for drafting him and for releasing Todd Collins, Tom Tupa, Mark Wheeler, and Dave Wallabaugh to get those compensatory picks that allowed them to take Tom Brady okay. at 199. That's deep. That's a deep cut. I want to thank the Los Angeles slash St. Louis Rams for taking Matt Bowen one pick ahead of Tom Brady and watching him beat them in the Super Bowl after Dexter McLean called them overrated. <laughs> and I also want to thank the New York Jets for having four first-round picks in 2000 and not using a single one on Tom Brady and watching him wreck them for years after Mo Lewis made that big play on them. Okay. And last but not least, I want to thank the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick itself for giving me the greatest years of my life to watch Tom Brady play as a young man who inspired me to love football and wear the number 12 proudly. And I wanted to say that with a humble heart. By the way, um, I think we give a round of applause right there. That was succinct. My apologies for for being nervous about you going on too long. Um, (laughs) What were the names of the compensatory, the players that they cut for compensatory picks that they lost? What do you got? That would be line. It was linebacker Todd Collins, punter Tom Tupa, who I'm sure you know very well. The Ohio State defensive tackle. Yeah. Defensive tackle Mark Wheeler and offensive lineman Dame, Dave Wallabaugh. Lost them in '99. Resulted in four compensatory picks. One of them being 199, which happened to be not only the greatest New England Patriot, but the greatest Michigan Wolverine 
this side of Rich Eisen. Well, Tom Brady. Wow, look at this. I mean, you know, he even, he even, he even with a walk-off, um, you know, paying fealty to the host. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. And the Jets' four first-round picks that year, Rich, number 12 overall, Sean Ellis. Number 13, John Abraham. By the way, hold on a minute. John, Jonathan, John Abraham was a terrific football player. Had a great for year. a long Water time. Borderline Hall of Famer. A long time. 133 okay, so. and a half career sacks. No Tom Brady, but I mean. Number 18 overall, Rich, Chad Pennington. Yeah. Good career. Yeah. And number 27 overall, tight end Anthony Becht. Pennington was the, uh, the top of the Brady Six food chain, right? Number one. He's the first quarterback taken that year. Right. Giovanni Carmazzi, the goat farmer. Spurgeon win. Mm. You know what, man? Nobody knew. Nobody <laughs> no, knew. No, nobody knew. Come on. Patriots passed on him multiple times as well. In the sixth round. Nobody also. knew. <laughs> so, nobody you know, knew. It's all good. It worked out. You think? For everybody, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You think? And again, you know, uh, worked out for me marrying into a New England family. Yeah, so you got to feel what it was like to win. Well, as you know, um, I still am a Jet fan. I don't understand. Um, who, interestingly enough, as a wolf in hosting sheep's clothing, uh, emceed not one but two right. New England Patriots kickoff dinners uh, and did it with such um, alacrity. And wow. efficiency. Big word alert. Um, <laughs> that um, I got Belichick and the team out of the um, dinner a good 15 minutes early one time. Uh, brisk and cheerful readiness. Indeed. Alacrity. I got them out. I was on time. It didn't go over long. Uh, the team won a championship <laughs> that year because I think they were well rested from that extra 15 minutes. <laughs> but as you know... Um, being somebody who just said you tried to name your son Tom. I wanted to. And uh, the person who actually <laughs> cooked said son. Okay. The person who gave this son uh, uh, nutrients and life. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, what's the word for it? Despises the Patriots with her fi every fiber of her being. Uh, her, her great quote is she'd rather root for Al-Qaeda. Okay, there the you Patriots. go. That's what she... Oh, so, so you yeah. saying let's name... Our child, Tom, after Tom Brady, was what we call a non-starter. Non-starter. Now, when our children, Susie and I uh, have three beautiful children, when our children were being born, Xander being the first, who's now 13, um, there were all sorts and manner of onesies and bibs and yeah. books that came pouring it from the New England area uh, books that included the, uh, who knew that the, the Red Sox have a, a, a mascot? I had no idea. There's, there's a book yeah, well, it. Wally. The Wally, Green, yeah, based so. on the Green Monster. Right, right, right. And, you know, I, I, there were, there were uh, you know, Garnett onesies, I think, yep. sent at the time. And what, whatever. Um, well, that was the height of the big three. And correct. Pearson, and, and so um, I drew the line. As you know, I, uh, I drew the line. Um, at the Red Sox. That's out. Right. That was, that, that I had to, but <laughs> for me to, at the time, when my son was born in 2008, yeah. for me at the time, with Brady clearly being who he was, 
He had already won three of his first four. Coming off the 50 touchdown here. For me to, after all of that, then say, no, you have to come in to your father's (laughs) mentally debilitating boat of the New York Jets and Tom Brady is doing, like child services would have removed my children from from our house. Like, we just knock on the door, sir. We're hearing um, your wife loves the Patriots and you're a Michigan Wolverine and Brady is still Tom Brady. Uh, we, 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 we hear you want them to start rooting for Ray Lucas. Is this true? <laughs> knock on the door. <laughs> Removed. Rich, could you come with us, please? No, no. Yeah. But no, but the Red Sox stuff, <laughs> no thank me, you. Sir. The Red Sox stuff, no thank you. As you know, I got COVID this summer, and the great people at Mass General were so helpful because I got it when I was in Boston, and I got uh, in touch with them through the Red Sox. It was so terrific. Um, and still, when the Yankees played the Red Sox again, it still didn't matter to me. Got me healthy, got me on my feet, made sure I didn't get hospitalized with the vaccine already being in me, thank God, uh, still. Yeah, I didn't get Still, I didn't get, get naming rights for Tom, but you know the day Cage was born, uh, I did park in space number twelve at Cedars. Well done, well there done. You, <laughs> you have principles, sir. You have principles. I stuck with it. You have principles. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Is that right? I did. Par- you I had did, a choice, or did, just you wound up in well, it? Well, no, we got there super early, five a.m. So there were tons of empty spots, and I was like, nope, parking in space twelve. Now, even in labor, did Sarah say, "Screw that"? Repark well, it. No, it was, uh, she was getting induced. So oh, okay, like, right. she was totally no, was fine. Okay. And I was yeah, like, yeah, we're parking in 12. Was perfect. it close by or did you have to go further? No, it was close by. Okay. First floor. <laughs> His true love would have been <laughs> tested if somehow, someway, Brady wore 99. <laughs> 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 I was a tired Ward Seth fan. Come on. Get out of the car and waddle <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> so where'd you park? Well, we got a ways to go. Well, oh, I could have done <laughs> will you drop me? Will you drop me off and pick one? Uh-huh. There you go. I could have parked in the spot one night. Yes, that would have been a problem. You know what I mean? All right, we'll take a break, everybody, here on the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Don't go anywhere. We hope to have a surprise guest when we come back right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at The Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Before he was uh, a uh, Hall of Famer, uh, actually, I think he was already in the Hall of Fame. Dan Fouts, you know, was a local broadcaster in, the, in Northern California, in the Bay Area. And one year, uh, he focused on uh, a prep star looking to uh, make his name in high school and beyond. Long before today's football heroes made it to the top, they were teenagers learning their craft on high school football fields across America. Many started right here in the Bay Area. And the question is, who are tomorrow's stars? Well, tonight, Dan Fouts introduces you to some of the Bay Area's hottest young players. Some names to follow. They may be the names you'll be hearing about for years to come. Well, over across the bay at San Mateo Serra High School is a six-foot-four, 200-pound quarterback named Tom Brady. After an MVP performance at Cal's football camp this summer, Cal High Magazine ranked Brady among the top six quarterbacks in the state. Okay, I'm a college coach. I haven't seen any tape of you. I don't know anything about you. Tell me about Tom Brady, the quarterback. What are your strengths? My strengths? Well, everybody tells me I have a pretty strong arm, which is, which is good. I'm pretty accurate with it. And uh, I think I need to work on my speed a little bit, but hopefully that'll come in time. Pretty good work ethic, so, so I think I get the job done. His coach says Tom has what it takes. The exceptional athlete, and usually the one that's the world-class athlete that makes it, is the person that has the willingness to make the commitment uh, to be able to go that extra mile. My game is strong. I got it like that, so I'm rolling on. There you go. That is amazing. <laughs> Dan Fouts interviewing Tom Brady. They're going to be in the bus room together forevermore. That little kid. He looks the same. What the hell? He got cooler. How you, you know? Well, uh, yeah, obviously. A little dorky there, but. <laughs> well, I think, in a way, Tom's in high school. But I mean, yeah. think at forty-four, Tom would probably admit he's still kind of a dork. He's a nerd. Yeah, like, but he's all the he really same guy inside football. Yeah. That kid, that kid's in there, man. Right? <laughs> yeah. The kid's in there. Look at that! Come on, <laughs> look at that kid. Oh my God! I am so old. Answer. <laughs> Does he still have the shirt? Is that going to be part of the Brady brand? He should definitely have that, a that shirt that with the same with the that same look, you know. So top six. Flannels. So that means Brady was six, right? So who are the other five in that uh, you know top California quarterback class? I wonder. <laughs> Whoever they are, he came for all of them. The Brady. There were before this Brady six. There was a Brady five. Yeah. So like, what oh year, my what year was God. that? Good lord. Tell me, it's a guy named Giovanni C. That's so funny. He <laughs> loved tending goats as a sophomore. Bad. Nice. He's a bad man. 
Wow. 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the wow. Rich Eisen Show. All right, he's a pro football Hall of Famer, and I figured let's get him on, not only because uh, uh, he has a unique perspective on Tom Brady, because he um, he lost to Brady in Brady's first Super Bowl win, but he also knows about second acts, and he's just a great human on the planet, and also uh, called on Westwood One, the Rams win over the 49ers on Sunday and is going to call uh, Super Bowl 56 in SoFi Stadium in a couple Sundays for Westwood One. He's Kurt Warner. How are you doing, Kurt? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. What do you think? Brady's now retired. What, 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 oh, do, you, what do you say about that? I mean, I think, I think like all of us as fans, you know, you're, you're kind of bummed, um, you know, because every year it's been so much fun to watch him and watch him, as you said, reinvent himself. And what is he going to do next? And, you know, everybody, I think, waiting for him to – to fall off, uh, you know, the, the flat part of the earth and, and disappear and not be able to play like he did. And he finishes with, you know, number one in so many different categories this year. And you're just like, it's, it's just unbelievable. And it's fun. And it was a part of our NFL that you said, okay, this is the one constant that we know every year is Tom Brady's going to have a chance to compete for the Super Bowl. Now, now who else is in the mix? So I think as a fan, we're all kind of bummed. Um, as a fan, as we talked about on our our you know, show the other day is that we're all very thankful. Um, you know, not very long, very often do you get a chance to, you know, witness the entirety of, of a career of, you know, what I think most of us believe is the, is the greatest football player to ever play. And, you know, as you said, I got to see it up close and personal at the beginning uh, and been able to watch it ever since uh, and been in amazement so often of, you know, what he's done. And, you know, I made the point on on our show also that, the thing about Tom Brady is that he made it seem so easy. You know, when we talk about 10 Super Bowls and we talk about winning seven and you talk about, you know, 14 championship games and, and all of this stuff that, you know, we just kind of flippantly throw around because it's Tom Brady. And, you know, then you can, you know, I, I feel for, so fortunate to have played in three Super Bowls. Drew Brees got to play in one. Aaron Rodgers has played in one. I mean, when you start to put it in perspective of how easy he made it and, and what he accomplished on the whole, uh, and, and you know, I think in an era also, you're talking about in an era where we had other greats. You had Peyton Manning. You had Ben Roethlisberger who just retired. You had you know, Breeze and Rodgers, as I talked about. I mean, you talk about some of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen in this game, and it was during that era where Tom Brady did all of this. And so – you know, that, that to me as a player, when you don't understand how difficult it is to get there one time or to compete at that level consistently year in and year out, is probably what I was most in awe of with Tom Brady. Because we all sit back and go, I wish I would have had one more opportunity to do that. And he just made it look routine every year that this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to at least be in the AFC Championship game, and I'm probably going to be in the Super Bowl. And that just doesn't happen in any sport. And, you know, and again, it's the ultimate team sport. We understand that. It takes a team to win championships. But that guy and that leader that you have, that you believe in, that you believe every time you step on the field you're going to win – uh, is a difference maker. And that's why, you know, Super Bowls and, and wins get connected to quarterbacks because those guys are the difference makers. And he just did it better than everyone else. And so I'm just I'm thankful that I got to witness it. Uh, you know, if you've got to get beat by somebody in a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to say he got beat by Tom Brady. Um, and it's been, it's been a joy to watch him. And, and I feel like he's always done it the right way, too. Uh, he's always done it with class and carried himself 
uh, that way. And so just uh, it's an honor to have competed against him, to, watch his, to have watched his career, um, and, uh, and to know him as a friend. You know what? And, and there's so many ways to follow up here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I, I guess I got like two or three follow-ups. I'm, I'm going to take the first one here about back in the day. Um, so, you know, Super Bowl is not any normal game where you're just warming up and just chit-chatting. But did you speak to Brady before when he was just a kid looking for his first and you're that guy two years removed from the magic carpet ride that, by the way, is in theaters near you, an American underdog, terrific movie. So did you have a conversation with him? Well, we spoke a little, a little bit because we played earlier that year um, in New England. And so we had played once that year. And so we spoke a little bit. You know, he kind of came on the scene similar to the way I did um, and just, you know, kind of encouraged him and said, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. You never know what, you know, possibilities are. I mean, you look at me. Uh, but, you know, not a long conversation, but just kind of that introductory conversation, you know, with a young kid. Uh, and then we didn't speak before the Super Bowl, uh, but talked afterwards. And, uh, you know, just one of those things that, again, at the time, you know, you're disappointed for yourself, um, you know, for whatever you can be happy for a young kid that gets the opportunity and, and does great and wins the Super Bowl, you're happy for them. But, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I, I didn't see any of this coming in that game. You know, he threw for like 150 yards and, you know, had a great drive at the end to kind of put him over the top. Um, but, you know, it wasn't this Tom Brady. And so I got a chance to kind of see that and see him win uh, as being a complimentary piece and, and just a part of a team to becoming the Tom Brady that we know that, that led teams and carried teams to that point. And so, um, yeah, we had some initial, you know, simple conversations, um, but, but never with any inkling uh, of what was ahead uh, for him. Well, I mean, and, and we, we may see, you know, somebody have their career start similar to Brady's, uh, although we're still waiting to somebody to go back to back as he did three in his first four years winning it all. And Joe Burrow has an opportunity coming up shortly to, to get on that road. But I don't know if we'll ever see anybody again do what he did after the age of 37 and play to 44 and look as great as doing it. Uh, I wonder what you think of that, knowing what you had to go through towards the end of your career. Kurt. Well, I mean, I think the one thing that I would say is that, you know, we've got a kind of a different breed of quarterbacks um, you know, kind of taking over the NFL now, you know, the athletic quarterback, uh, the guy that can do, you know, much more than just throw the football. And, uh, you know, I've always said about guys, you know, like Breeze and, and Brady and those kind of guys like myself, um, when you play a certain way your entire career, I think it's easier to, and you still have the skill set to do that. So in other words, all of us obviously being pocket passers and not based on our athleticism. So it didn't matter if we could throw the ball a few yards less or we couldn't run the 40 quite as fast because we played it a different way. And so I always felt like guys like that had the opportunity um, to play the same way and have the same success longer in their career. Um, you know, so I think that's the first thing, and, and that's who Tom was. And he continued to get better and better at what he did. Uh, but he never had to change the way that he played. I mean, you add the rules in to the mix. Uh, obviously, that probably helped a little bit. But, you know, but, but let's be honest. I mean, it doesn't matter with all those things. You know, it came down to Tom being meticulous with how he prepared and how he worked every year and how he got his body ready. I mean, you know, the amazing thing is we actually, the year we went to the Super Bowl with the, the Cardinals was the year that he suffered his knee injury. So we played New England that year, and it was Matt Castle. And, um, 
you know, and outside of that one season and that crazy injury, the guy really hasn't, you know, had many issues physically whatsoever, which is so amazing to me because I remember, you know, through my career, I didn't suffer a lot of injuries, but the injuries came with like broken fingers and broken pinkies and everything on my right hand where I had to miss time and miss games. The guy just didn't miss games. And, you know, whether he was fortunate, uh, whether it, you know, plays into everything that he did off the field to, to keep himself ready, um, I mean, just incredible to watch. I mean, you know, there was no way, you know, when I was getting into the league, quarterbacks were retiring at 35. That was a long career. So, you know, 44, I just, with all these quarterbacks and the way they play now, I'm not sure anybody's going to be able to make it to 44 Mm. unless they can play inside the pocket. And, you know, and again, we've got guys, Joe Burrow, you mentioned it. Um, You know, we've got a number of other guys that can do that to a degree. But can they sustain that at the level that you need to to have that Tom Brady-type success? Um, will be fascinating. And, and those guys that are athletic, you know, they're going to have to evolve and play the game differently if they want to come anywhere close to, uh, you know, to that age, in my opinion. Kurt Warner here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, so I, I had the author Seth Wickersham on the show in hour one, Kurt, and he's been following the Patriots forever and a day. He's got a book out about their dynasty. And I asked him about Brady's decision to retire now, and how I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised by it for many reasons because he's been so terrific. But the fact is that, you know, he, he, he's not giving it one more try to make sure he can end it on a win, right, with a Super Bowl win. And here was his response, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the other side. Check it out. There was a moment that I was, at his, I was in his living room and we were talking. This was maybe seven years ago. It was before the sort of rest of the dynasty, which – not only the Patriots, but really the Tom Brady dynasty kind of was reclamated. And he was telling me about, they had just lost to the Ravens in the playoffs, and he told me that Kurt Warner had sent him a text after the game saying, like, being the best doesn't mean you always win, it just means you win more than anybody else. And that text really meant a lot to him because it it spoke to his essence in a way that very few messages could. It Yes, it's always about winning, but it was often in failure that he found successes. And, you know, the, the people, there's people who argued he'd never leave New England after throwing a pick six on his final throw against the Titans. And there's people who'd argue he'd never go out losing to the Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs. But, you know, that was, it, ne- it always misread him just a little bit. When- I think that what he prided himself on as much as anything is this kind of genius he had of refusing to concede to anyone else's idea of the inevitable or of reality in that regard. What do you think of that, Tirk? How about that? Well, I mean, you know, I think it's something that we all have to come to grips with is, you know, so many of the guys that play at this level are used to winning and they're used to being the best at what they do. And most times they feel like those two things are synonymous. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's also the ultimate team game. And so I tell people all the time, sometimes the greatest thing about being a football player is that it's a team game. And you get to celebrate those moments with 52 other guys. And then sometimes the worst thing about football is that it's a team game because it takes everybody. And, you know, sometimes other facets can let you down. And so I think we all have to come to a realization of what it means to be our best. 
And being our best doesn't always mean that we win on the scoreboard and that we have more points than the other team. And that gets lost, I think, too often in society as a whole and, you know, just in sport in general, that it's all about how many points you have on the board. And, you know, and, you know, when I text that and Tom and I have a great relationship and we would, you know, text back and forth all the time, but really it was just, just understand who you are and what you've done. And don't ever, you know, you know, feel like a, a season can't be a success when you don't finish winning a Super Bowl. And, um, you know, so I love that, you know, you can have those conversations with guys like that that are the greatest of all time. Um, and you can still impress upon them things that you've learned throughout your time and throughout your journey. Because that, to me, is what it's all about. All of us evolving and coming to a better understanding of what it means to try to be our best on a daily basis, and then being able to step away and be comfortable that we were that and that we did what we needed to do uh, to become the best version of ourselves, which is what I believe Tom Brady's always tried to do. Kurt Warner here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Before I let you go, uh, let's talk about the film that you've seen from Championship Weekend um, and um, and then obviously the what you saw with your own two eyes calling the uh, – NFC Championship game, starting with the AFC Championship. I know you've been watching tape on that one. Uh, what happened to that Chiefs offense in that game, Kurt? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, so many things, you know, go on in the course of a game, and, you know, everybody saw the points on the board early in the game. And sometimes when I watch film, Rich, I'll watch and say, okay, did, did something happen earlier in a game that maybe leads to something not happening, happening as well later in the game? And what do I mean by that? You know, in that game, Patrick Mahomes had, um, you know, a couple touchdowns in the first half where it was just unbelievable. Scramble plays by him, by in time, and then he makes these great throws and, and they get two touchdowns out of it. Later in the game, they had an opportunity, a couple opportunities in the red zone um, where if Patrick, I think, just reads the, the play the way that he normally would read it, uh, I think he throws a couple touchdowns there, and we may mm. be talking about them in the Super Bowl. Um, and one specifically, he got caught up kind of bouncing in the pocket, almost like I'm not really reading anything. I'm just buying time enough so I can go and scramble and make a play. And, and so I think sometimes we fall into modes where things have worked earlier in the game, and we try to force something later in the game. Um, you know, the interception that he threw off of that, you know, the RPO, the tip to the defensive lineman, uh, it was actually an RPO that normally you would read the other side. You're reading the, the right defensive end, and if he bites down, you throw it out the right-hand side because they voided that area. For some reason, Patrick decided to, to go and throw it to the left-hand side away from his read um, and, and throw it to the combination, the quick combination that was out the left instead of the right, which is just, again, I know it's happened to him before, and he's seen a look, and it's worked out. But instead of just kind of playing the play, um, you know, he tried to make another play, and, and, and it worked out against them. And so um, that, to me, is what kind of happened, is that everything was going right, and they were making every play early on. It felt like they were invincible. So starting with that last play at the end of the, the first half, which I'm still kind of confused by the play call, mm. but, you know, I think it was Patrick saying, man, everything else is working, so let me just throw it to Tyreek, and he'll make it work because we're invincible right now. And then after he makes that throw, it's like, oh, wait a second. That wasn't the right decision, and he got a little more tentative, and you know, I think he started thinking about the game more than just reacting and playing. Um, 
and then things just didn't work out for them in the second half, and the momentum switched. Um, and you give credit to the other side for making the plays that were available in front of them to make, whether it was defensively or offensively. Joe Burrow making some key plays really with his legs that we talked about on our show is that he's kind of sneaky good at you know buying time in the pocket and, and avoiding sacks in the pocket. And even if he gains three or four yards, it's a positive instead of a negative. And that was really kind of the, you know, the story of the second half, in my opinion. Um, you know, the, I thought Cincinnati played good. Um, but I thought, you know, Kansas City just didn't do what they normally do. And, and, you know, Patrick was the first one to kind of say, hey, some of that stuff's on me, that Patrick didn't play his game the second half. And when you're playing against good teams and you allow some of those things to go against you, man, it's tough to win. And that's what we've seen throughout these playoffs is that all these games are close, okay? Who's going to make that one mistake? Or who's going to do something that's uncharacteristic of themselves, give the other team a chance, and then the other team – all of these teams have the chance to capitalize on it. And then what's the story of the NFC Championship game? Uh, I mean, I think the NFC Championship game, um, you know, I think it was just a tough-fought football game mm-hmm. where, again, there were some missed opportunities by the Rams in that game that kept the 49ers around. I know everybody's killing Jimmy G. I thought Jimmy G played one of his best games. Um, but we're going to point out, you know, a couple things. Obviously, the, the missed pass in the first drive, which I know he'd want back. And then the one to you Kittle. Know, You're talking about the one to Kittle. Yeah, the one to Kittle. Oh, he was uh, so wide open. Down. He was um, so wide open. Missed that. That could have gone for six. Um, and then, obviously, the last one where, I mean, he had to try to do something. He's just trying to make a play so it's not, you know, fourth and 40. Right. Um, and the ball gets tipped up. And, and, you know, but I thought Jimmy G played a really, really good game, uh, making the right decision uh, most of the time. Um, but, you know, but the Rams, to me, were the better team. Matthew Stafford is playing great football. Um, you know, made the one mistake in the red zone that turned into an interception or, you know, who knows how that game goes. But Jalen Ramsey has two opportunities to catch an interception that possibly finish that game uh, before that. We're all talking about Tart's interception and the one, you know, or one of the two mistakes that, that Stafford made. Um, but, you know, Jalen Ramsey had a chance to finish that game. I just think the better team were, were the Rams. 49ers, you know, did what they needed to do and kept it close like they had up to this point uh, in all their games, but just weren't able to finish. And I give more credit to the Rams. Offensively, what they did, three straight drives in the fourth quarter to put points on the board, you tip your hat to them. Cooper Cup and Stafford were incredible. OBJ was great. And then the defense did what you brought all those guys here to do, is you got a lead at the end, finish it for us. And they went out and they finished it for them. And so uh, a good football game on that side, uh, but, again, I, I believe the better team won, um, and, uh, you know, the Rams made enough plays to, to get a, a tight victory. Well, uh, you know, appreciate the time here, Kurt, uh, rolling with the punches with the show today and we and, and getting you on. Um, I hope to get you on maybe sometime next week in the lead-up to, to know what you think about the matchup, um, and I appreciate the two cents. I thought it was pretty cool to hear that story about – your text to Brady, you know, sometimes you send a text to somebody, you don't know what, you know, what it means or how it lands or something like that. And here, here we are years later on the day of his retirement and um, somebody who knows Brady pretty well saying that meant a lot to him. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that stuff is cool. Cause again, you're, you know, always just trying to build relationships and, uh, you know, different things along the way. And you never know, you never know how it's going to play out. Exactly. And since, especially since on game day morning, you're known as somebody who does not get his text returned by quarterbacks. Um, so I figured I should. One time, know. one time. And I get that. And, 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 it's a and reputation. That becomes, 
That becomes how you, you guys remember me. American okay. underdog in theaters near you. How's that? Did I make up for it right now? Okay. Everybody, I'll, I'll go, see, everybody go see Kurt's movie. It's a beautiful <laughs> movie. Kurt and Brenda's movie. My bad. Good to see uh, chat with you, Kurt. We'll do this again you next too, week. Thanks, man. It's the all best. Right. That's the one of the best of all time right there. And a fantastic friend, uh, Kurt Warner, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Yeah, somebody didn't return his text once, and we just keep on hammering him for that. <laughs> Yep. Kurt doesn't just give you the thumbs up emoji for texts or no, he just didn't. He, he sent text to somebody and they didn't respond. And then Mooch and I sent text to the same person. They responded to oh. us and, was, and, the, and the game was afoot and it still is years later. <laughs> it still is years later. Okay. I know you're not going to do it on air. So when we go off, we yeah. have to find out. Who <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Our, uh, our weekly, nod to those who need to rise and shine on the road that's coming up next and more of your phone calls Bruce, right. coming up who was it rich afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Okay, back here on the Rich Eisen Show. So you remember when Brady found Evans earlier this year. It was his 600th career touchdown pass in the regular season. It was a huge touchdown uh, milestone. And Evans, not knowing it, handed the ball to a fan, and that created a hole to do. Mm -hmm. So, didn't know it at the time, but as Jalen Ramsey tweeted out, he, Brady, threw his final touchdown pass of his career over Jalen Ramsey to Mike Evans. Let's take a look right here uh, to the pass. Here it is. Brady um, with 325 to go. It was unbelievable. What a throw. What a, what a dime. Throw. Touchdown. Look what Evans does with the football. <laughs> he it in the hey, Mike, Mike. I remember watching him doing it. Like, what Mike, are you doing? Mike, Mike. Can we just grab it and return it? What is with that? Boom. Where is that football now? It is the final football. That's the holy grail. Thrown for a touchdown in Tom Brady's career, and it exists somewhere. Somewhere, Somebody's got it. How many rows deep? Looks like he got a good chuck, 10, 12, 15, 20 rows deep. That was deep. Why would you do that, though? Like He's you already, not thinking. Bro, but it happened one time, right? Okay, you would figure, like, when you're a kid and you put your hand on the stove and then you go hot, hot, and it burns you. Okay, I'm going to think twice. You got a ball on your hand. Also, like, at that point, think about it, though. They're in the middle of a comeback. Clearly, clearly your mind is not thinking about collectibles or anything like that, but it is still a touchdown pass thrown to you by Tom Brady. I mean, I, I guess he's I had guess so he many thrown. He says, whatever. I, I don't know, but that ball exists somewhere. Where does that exist? Ken Golden is searching the internet right, what about right the now. One that he, what about the one that he handed to Fournette? That's the final snap of his career. Final snap of his career, the handoff. That Fournette scored on. 
Yeah, maybe Lenny kept it. Well, I'm sure that exists. Yeah, because it didn't get. If I'm Leonard Fournette, I'm I'm you know, uh, I'm keeping every damn football I score in playoffs in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're Lombardi Lenny or playoff Lenny, you're still Lenny. Okay, that's so true. six twenty four. I mean, what's six twenty four plus eighty six? That's seven ten. That's the seven hundred and tenth touchdown pass in you know, Tom's career. Well, bottom line is it's the final touchdown pass of his career period, and that's a pretty damn uh, one would think valuable collect- collectible yes. for Brady. Yes. yes, and someone in the stands has ha- video of the whole has thing. Has it? And there's and and you know I don't know. Get multiple Bitcoin now, right? It's it's much cheaper well, than when this happened before. Correct. Are you have you rebounded? You rebounded? <laughs> no. no rebounding. Not yet. Yeah, I'm not very uh, on the crypto no. world. That's you know. a it's a great point, Rich. No one's brought that up yet in any show that I've heard of. Like, where's that ball? Uh, I mean, where is that football? And those are all numbered. You can see they have a little like oh, silver shield on gosh. it, so you can verify that. Hey, Mike, ball. just hold on to it. I mean, Kyle Trask is one of the le- going to want at least his first. Eight four four two zero four. Rich number to dial. Our friends at Callaway on hey. the Rich Eisen show. When you are teeing it up, you should use a Chrome Soft. I'll tell you what, it didn't just make the best players better. It made everyone better when Call- Callaway engineered Chrome Soft to be the best tour ball for men. Women, first-time major winners, repeat major winners, club champions, business golfers. The Chrome Soft family has the best tour performance for every type of performance. Starting with the regular Chrome Soft, I use it. Designed for the widest range of golfers who want better feel, more distance, incredible forgiveness. I can actually tell the difference. But for better players looking for more workability, Chrome Soft X provides excellent spin consistency, tour-level short game control. Chrome Soft XLS gives you a lower spin golf ball and longer shots, firmer feel, but still with high spin around the greens. Every Chrome Soft now is enhanced with precision technology, which uses design techniques and manufacturing specifications up to one one-thousandth of an inch. This ensures they're the highest quality, most consistent, fastest golf balls possible. When you add it all up, it's pretty simple. Chrome Soft is better for the best and better for everyone. Find out which Chrome Soft is right for you at CallawayGolf.com slash Chrome Soft. Let's go um, to our phone lines. Colin in Cincinnati, you're on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Colin? How's it going, gentlemen? How's it going? What's going on? What's up with you? Not much. I appreciate the heads up last week on the headphones. You made uh, the trip to Kansas City a success. The earplugs. Uh, Yeah, man. You got to make it so your kid got through it and you got to see a dub, right? You got to see a win. Man, what a a trip back. I want to just shout out the nice lady on the jet bridge coming home that gave my son one of the commemorative coins. I mean, it was memories, Rich. I don't know what we're going to do next weekend. We're trying to figure out the Super Bowl thing. I mean, I'm out here tweeting Jim Irsay trying to win tickets. But, uh, <laughs> right. We've, we've got two weeks to figure it out. But, uh, I mean, it's an awesome run to be on. You were asking about it yesterday. You kind of led the show with it, you know, thankfully with the Brady news giving us a day to live in the, the spotlight. But it's a cold-blooded defense right now with some hungry dogs. Uh, I know we're going to be facing another steep choice, but, I mean, as a Bengals fan, we're about to live it up for two weeks hey, and uh, be out there for it. You've reached the uh, any given Sunday uh, four-quarter possibility. You have now placed, been placed in that Thunderdome, and you've got a kid in Joe Burrow who can thrive in that atmosphere. So, good luck. Let's chat over the next couple of days. How does that sound? Call back. Absolutely, sir. That's, Thank you. you gotta, we'll enjoy the ride that's, together. You got That's Colin in Cincinnati. Congrats, Colin. And it, it kind of leads us to our, our Rise and Shine segment, Courtyard by Marriott. It's all about fans and the fan experience and making sure that you can experience it on the road. Certainly, if you find yourself on the road, and that's what Rise and Shine is all about. And this week's Rise and Shine recipients, winners, are the Bengals defensive players on that stout unit. Four sacks, two picks 
in the overtime win for the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And that interception came, by the way, hold on a minute, let me just check the log. It was in overtime after the Chiefs won the toss. And they played defense. They got the ball back. Joey Burrow took it down the field, handed it off to his kicker with ice in his leg and Evan McPherson, who was a previous rise and shine winner. But it kept the Chiefs from scoring on the final play of that first half on the Bengals' one-yard line. That was huge. Just three points in the second half in overtime. Four points, four punts forced, and two interceptions on seven drives just when the Chiefs were putting the pedal to the metal and it looked like a boat race was on. 21-3, the 18-point comeback matches the Colts from 2006 and they made the Super Bowl and won it after coming back and beating the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game that year. They were on their home turf, though. This happened on the road. Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator from Susan E. Wagner High School, my alma mater, in Staten Island, New York, getting it done from the rock to making sure that his stout defensive players uh, were the reef that this good ship Kansas City hit right in the middle of that AFC championship game. The Kansas City Bengals defense are this week's rise and shine recipients. And the segment is brought to you by our friends at Courtyard by Marriott. As the official hotel of the NFL for 11 years and counting, Courtyard by Marriott is proud to fuel your love of the game all season long. When when you're on the road, there's no reason to miss out on watching the game. You can meet everybody at the Bistro Bar to cheer on your favorite team with good food, good company. And if you're traveling to an out-of-town game with over a 1,000 hotels across the U.S., Courtyard is the perfect place for you to stay near the stadium. And if you're a Marriott Bonvoy member, discover even more ways to earn and redeem points with access to exclusive NFL experiences. At Courtyard by Marriott, passion moves us forward. Where will yours take you? And for the Bengals, it's called Los Angeles, California for Super Bowl 56. I think we're going to say this once a, a day. Just like for the next crap, two weeks. Are coming. <laughs> you already said it, <laughs> like, TJ Jefferson. You already said it in a commercial break, and I kind of alluded to it the quarterback at the top hit. of the show oh. yesterday. <laughs> and it is the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? I mean, the Cincinnati this Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, happening. We might have to switch up the accent on which word which emphasis is right, 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 the right, right, right. Bengals this week so today's is the Bengals, Bengals are in the Super Bowl right tomorrow might be Super well, I don't know we'll figure it out it just depends on our mood but Joe Burrow number nine in your program number one in your heart in Cincinnati taking on number nine in the program and now number one in the hearts of Los Angeles and Detroit is Matthew Stafford Super Bowl 56 Place where Brian Dayball wants to take the New York Giants, the new HC. You joining us next. I like that both quarterbacks wear number nine. You're a numerologist over I there? Just, I think it's cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's cool. <laughs> You're a numerologist? I am. That was why does that, why is that know, it's so funny? the way he <laughs> said it. Just, yeah. I mean, I, I, well, we can find this out. Has that ever happened? Both quarterbacks wear the same number? I'm sure oh, at some God, point two number twelves had to have played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know, right? That was the number back in the well, day. When? Well, I mean, whoever well, me did look. Brady ever take on a twelve? Because you got ten of them right there. I mean, you got I honestly. Don't think so. Did, what number did Staubach wear? Twelve. Twelve. So did he play Bradshaw in yeah. the Super Bowl? Right there. Boom. 
That's probably it then, right? I don't know. There's more. There's got to be more. But I'm sure. There, I'm, I don't, I'm you know, you, should ask, right you should ask the NFL Network Research Department since they're looking up how many times the name Joe has appeared. Yeah, that's a good one. But, you know. Just thinking. Eight. What number was Stan Humphrey? By the way, is there another Joe in the league to help make this happen? To, to put it to over the put top? To put it over the top of Brady? Because there's now been ten different Joes. Ten, Joe, not ten Joes. Joe quarterback? No, there's no other Joes. It'd have to be Burrow to go back, you know, to break the tie. Joa Tungovailoa? <laughs> I'm trying to see if we can try and make it work. Change people's names. <laughs> Joten Herbert? Uh, Joe Rogers? Joak Prescott? <laughs> uh, boy. This is content, by the way. Joe Russell Wilson? Joe Russell Wilson has already played in the Super Bowl, so it'll be tough to... Well, he'd be getting he'd another look, one. He'd get another okay, one. Okay, Joe, Joe Russell Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> Jack Wilson. Okay, that's not happening. Is this ever going to happen for me? No. Is this? <laughs> How about this one? Is this ever going to happen for me? And the answer was no. How about this one? Sorry, Rich Eisen. How about Jerk Cousins? Jerk Cousins? Hey-o. No. It's Joak Cousins. You got to put the Joe in. Uh, my joke worked. I'm really deep that. in this quarterback uh, numbers thing here, and I'm seeing Staubach and Bradshaw that's twice. It, right? Is that it? I, I think that's it. How do you it. know? What, what number? Kaepernick was four, right? So that wasn't Flacco, right? No, nah, Kaepernick was Kaepernick seven. Kaepernick was seven. Five, seven, right? Yeah. Seven. Flacco was. Now, mind you, off the top of my head, I don't five. know what number, uh, what was the right. name here? Just leave it to the experts, okay? That's, as Barty Shoreas used to say, it's called research, not guesswork, okay? <laughs> let me let me I send this up right. the chain of command. I think we're right. I think I, we're right. I think you are too, man.